Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. Let's have a look at the main business stories in the newspapers and websites, which we usually do with our markets guest, who today is Dan Moroni from RBC Brew and Dolphin. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Joe. Dan, let us start with the theme of the week. Of course, it is the visit of President Joe Biden. Uh, Barry O'Halloran in the Irish Times has a story. Yeah, this is really, it's manna from heaven from for the tourism industry, which for obvious reasons has had uh, quite a difficult few years. Um, and I suppose as we would hope and expect, there seems to be evidence that um, there's there's the the early signs of a boom in tourism coming from the the other side of the Atlantic based on Biden's trip. We know how much much airtime this gets in in the US and we know we, we for such a small country we have this incredible privilege of having this the, these close links with the very highest levels of US politics and um hopefully this is going to turn into into some real boost for such an important sector of our economy. I, I mean, we had a little bit of a help from last year with with the stronger U.S. dollar. That's dissipated a little bit and, and made us a little bit more expensive to visit. But I think you, ca- you just can't pay for this type of advertising. You can't pay for this type of marketing in the U.S. And indeed, we're seeing evidence. It's not just uh, Irish Americans or people that identify as such that are coming over. It's much more broad based than that. And people are maybe going to be nudged over the over the line to take that trip of a lifetime when they see uh, such broad based coverage and, and such an extensive trip around the entire island that we're seeing over the last few days. I know two and a half to, uh, two and a half days for the leader of the free world to be in one small country is quite a long time. I, I'm not sure Obama stayed longer than um, 24 hours. Uh, Alora.ae AI um, which is kind of um, a website for bookings. They say that their reservations are up 93% so far in 2023. Now, that's a huge surge, and it's got to have been helped by the fact that I was watching CNN uh, yesterday, and they were covering the Irish visit wall-to-wall. They had two reporters live uh, on the ground here. It's extraordinary, really. Like As I said, you can't pay for this type of exposure, and it's it's almost unique to this country. Again, the, the influence that we have in the U.S. It continues to pay dividends uh, to to you know the vi- the vital tourism sector in this country. Um, it, the the almost um, the abrupt uh, halt to U.S. visitors that happened around the pandemic, around lockdowns, that was it. Really, did have a major impact on the sector. It, you know, and there, there's only so much that a, a surge in domestic tourism can do to compensate for that. So. Hopefully, we're, we're at the right time of year here, coming into the, the main summer tourism season. Hopefully, we, we do really see the impact of this. And it, it would come as no surprise if we do see a surge in U.S. tourism based on this visit. Yeah, indeed. And as you say, the dollar is a, a little bit weaker uh, than it was last summer. It'll be interesting to see whether that means that the tourists that do land here, whether they find it that little bit more pricey. Certainly, they will find it more pricey than this time last year. Can we move to the Irish Times? And there's a piece by the economist John Fitzgerald. Yeah, th- this is very interesting. And I, I think th- this is a, a very timely piece uh, talking about, you know, Ultimately, uh, John Fitzgerald is talking about the, the savings slot that's built up in Ireland and low interest rates and the risk that 
as we've had fiscal support as governments have spent and and put money in people's pockets throughout the COVID pandemic, we've seen a, a global phenomenon of a savings glut. And it's actually been more pronounced in Ireland than, than in other countries. We've seen this in the United States. Uh, we've seen, you know, various estimates would say anything from 1.2 to 1.8 trillion dollars are still there in excess savings over and above what would have been in uh, household balance sheets uh, without the the support that we saw throughout the pandemic. So it, it, it's a very interesting uh, situation. And the concern is clearly that these excess savings, they could be unleashed in a kind of inflationary wave of spending. Now, I think there's a couple of things to consider about that. Fitzgerald mentions that you know bank deposits have not uh, increased, and um, you, you know that that's uh, making you know, savers with excess savings look around and look for alternative venues for their savings. There, there is competition for deposit rates, uh, and this is maybe something that's linked to. Yeah, monetary policy has caused higher interest rates. Deposit rates have been sticky, but government bond yields go up very quickly. The bond market reacts very quickly. And we see, we saw this in the US last month that all of a sudden, particularly large scale corporate depositors were realizing that they were earning very little on deposit, but they could switch their deposits into risk free short term government bonds and earn a much higher rate of return. I mean, even as we sit here this morning, you could put money in a six-month U.S. government bond that would pay you about 5% gross on an annualized basis, which is reasonably attractive for somebody in the U.S. And even in, in the Eurozone, there are options out there that are uh, over and above what banks are currently offering on deposit for the most part. You know, it, the equivalent risk-free asset probably for a Eurozone investor would be a short-term German government bill. At the moment, you can you can invest in something that's a six-month six or one-year German government bill that would be offering a gross yield of in and around 3%. So, the hope, I suppose, would be that the the uh, particularly the higher income households that have built up these savings, that they wouldn't, in particular, Fitzgerald points out correctly, that the, the fear would be that this would all go into bricks and mortar and it would cause further squeeze on housing, particular residential housing, obviously, and exacerbate the housing crisis. But maybe the, the part of the solution is in the, the tighter monetary policy that we've seen and that there is a, a low risk, a risk-free alternative that offers no, oh, Dan, have we lost you? Oh, we, tasks. we lost you there for a moment, Dan. Uh, I think you finished your thought. Uh, can we move on to the Irish Data Protection Commissioner? Because uh, they need to make a decision pretty soon about Meta. Yes. You know, this is just a, a further iteration of a story that's been bubbling away in the background for a long time. Clearly, with, with Meta's uh, European headquarters in Ireland, this is full on the Irish Data Protection Commissioner. Um, but it, it, it's it's the, the next step in a story that has been that has been in play for, for quite a long time now. Um, you know, the, the decision has been made, apparently. We have, and the, the story says that the regulator must adopt the, the decision, which hasn't actually been specified exactly what it is, within a month at the latest. Uh, I, I think uh, probably it's the about the flow way, of data, though, isn't it, Dan? It's about- it is. It's, it's the legal mechanism for the flow of data from, for, about European users going across to the US. And really, the concerns at a European level are... What might U.S. intelligence agencies do in terms of accessing that information? Which is very um, interesting, given the arrest that was made yesterday for a deliberate leak of information. Exactly, and it, this this is all kind of um, there's a confluence of events here that make it interesting. I, I-
I think if we're taking a step back and looking at the impact this might have on Meta, there's probably, as ever, a signal from the market in that uh, the share price is up about 3% yesterday. This is all known. This is all, you know, uh, unless there's some very significant uh, deviation from, from the expected direction of travel in this respect, this is effectively has been priced in. So, so nothing new necessarily in this, just a further development on what looks like an inevitable path towards a tightening up of the, of the uh, ability of Facebook to transfer very European user data. Indeed, and they've got a month. The Data Protection Commissioner has a month to decide what to do about the transfer of uh, Facebook's transatlantic data, personal data. So we'll have to watch that. That could be another big row uh, between, especially, it's so ironic because President Biden is in the country as we speak, but it could lead to a big row between the Europeans and the Americans in this issue. Um, let's move now to um, a story in Reuters. They're reporting that the ECB consensus is for yet another hike in interest rates. Yeah, um, this is a very well sourced story in Reuters yesterday. And really, we're still about three weeks away from the next European Central Bank rate hike, rate decision. So um, there's still a lot of things that can happen over the course of that period. But the story is saying that sources are indicating that there's a convergence on another 25 basis point or a quarter of 1% rate hike in May. That would be um, stepping down a little bit from the pattern, which has been at least half a percentage point rate hikes for the last uh, several meetings. Um, and I suppose the, the, you know, the outlook on this could still change. There, there's a lot of data that can still, that still has to come out that will be, that'll impact this decision. There's April inflation data that still has to come out. There is actually, um, the quarterly bank lending survey that is very, very significant for this type of decision. You know, how is the flow of credit to the economy being impacted by previous rate hikes? That's coming out only a couple of days before the meeting in early May. So th- this is still early days, but it does show, and unsurprisingly, I think that the direction of travel in the ECB is to maybe cool off on the on the pace of rate hikes. And there's also within the story, there's evidence of the age-old north-south divide uh, amongst the various different central banks in terms of the, the, the governing the council. The Germans the and the Finns versus the Greeks and the Italians. Yeah, exactly. It, it's simplifying it, but it, you know, sometimes the simplification is true. And um, we, we've had a few, a few uh, public statements, and uh, no, to nobody's surprise, I think the Austrians have been saying that they would be supportive of another half a percent uh, move. But you know, it, it, they have to look at the. It, it's all about underlying inflation, the trajectory of that, and as I said, the the assessment of has there been any impact on the flow of credit around the economy. So mm. more data to come over the coming yeah. weeks, but that's the, that's the direction of travel. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for guiding us through the papers today. That's Dan Moroni from uh, RBC Brew and Dolphin, and we'll have you back very soon, I hope, Dan. Uh- Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk.